The Evidence Locker is a true crime podcast that brings you cases from all the dark corners of the world. Armchair Sleuths can join me, your host, Noel Vinson, as I relay some of the most heinous crimes ever committed. If you are a true crime enthusiast, we've got you covered with cases both recent and historic from countries all around the world. From mysteries to heists, solved and unsolved murder cases, to stories about the miscarriage of justice, it's all there. With an archive of more than 170 episodes, make Evidence Locker your new binge. Subscribe to Evidence Locker today. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Journey to the Center of Food, a voyage of discovery for curious foodies everywhere. My name's Jay Taylor. I'll be at the controls today, along with the foodie fact-finding powerhouse that is James Winter. Hey, how are you? And on today's show, we are delving behind the glossy pictures, recipes and hunger-inducing articles that so bewitch our magazine and bookshelves, meeting up with the long-time editor of one of Britain's most successful food magazines to discover how you transform food into must-read material. Plus, we're having another idea pitched to us for our rubbish food TV shows. So without further ado, grab a cup of tea, recline comfortably on the sofa as we curl up with a good magazine and take a journey to the centre of food publishing. Hello, James. How are you on this lovely day? Hey, hey Jay. I think that's your, I think that's your best intro yet. Oh, oh, there we are. I do. I really do. I think you've you've nailed it. Have a hundred and two episodes in. Yeah, I think you've got it. That's it. But right, I'm walking away now. I'm just going to put tone on for the rest <laughs> of the podcast. Just put that one on. We just have to keep doing this show every week, and you just use that intro. <laughs> that's it. We're we're doing Good to see it. <laughs> you've just been telling me how business is booming in the restaurant world, or at least. It, at least well, it's opening busy. up. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? People are getting back to work. There's opportunity out there. Obviously, there aren't enough people to run them anymore, but there's still spaces that want restaurants in, and people still want to build them. And that's you know, and it's interesting, you know, just in the last few weeks, where those people are coming from. I mean, it's you know, it's it's the world shifts, in a, you know, so quickly in these times, you know, and, and money, you know, appears in different pockets, and you know, it's it's interesting. A lot of little Middle Eastern meetings at the moment. Oh, really. Um, Yes, and yeah, and, and obviously London's still, you know, and, and the UK is, is you know, getting its confidence back. But certainly, yes, out there there is still plenty of interest and activity and, and money. Gosh, and imagine yeah. in the world of restaurants is similar to the world of TV, where everyone loves the hyperbole of the best, the number one. And is that always levelled at any kind of new restaurant concept? It always has to be the biggest, the, the loudest, whatever it might be. Well, these are the things that get people to notice you. And obviously, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast that there is no best better best in, in food really I mean it's all personal p- preference and subjective opinion but you know people aim for those targets because they're big you know big promotional uh, opportunities you know and, and really all you want to do is get to as many different people as you can with the thing that you believe is for you know the, the product that you've got that's that's going to make them happy and and they'll part with their money for you know so that's that's what they offer so yeah there is pressure to do that it's a it's a way to get noticed isn't it it's remarkable though. I remember when, when we filmed Heston opening um opening the fat duck and then dinner down in melbourne and we were just we did the documentary series about the whole process and it was just amazing watching how much work goes into just getting to the point of serving the first dish it's not like Mm. you can just flick a switch and suddenly there's a restaurant with top chefs in it it's incredible amount of hard hard yards isn't that and and then the real hard work begins yeah i know you've got all that work (laughs) and then you've got to do it all the time yeah it's 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 an ongoing challenge i mean it's brilliant i mean it's such a great industry for that you know it's it's constantly challenging compared i mean again thinking about television i I always feel it's you know it's i have so much respect for for guys in in girls in kitchens who who are doing this all the time because it's like doing a live tv show twice a day or maybe three times if you're doing a 24 7 concept you know because you've got to be on point yeah every time Somebody walks day, can you? In, you know, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, and you don't do one. It's every day. It's amazing. You know, they're amazing people. It's a, it's a calling. I think if people who love it, it's something that comes out of you to want to be in hospitality. I think it's, you know, it is, you know, something else. Well, talking about amazing new concepts, there you go. There's a segue for you. Uh, a few weeks ago, we did our our show all about. Um, food television and we challenged our listener base to come up with the worst tv food ideas food show ideas they could and then and then eventually one of us probably me will end up pitching it to the broadcasters yeah yeah. as a death nail for my career i'll be pitching this to the broadcaster so uh (laughs) as our listeners do they have come forward with more ideas uh this is one being pitched to us by marcus sprenkel hello marcus Thanks for thanks for getting in touch. This is a good pitch, this, you know. Um, okay. Okay. So I'll read it to you, and then we can we can have a look at it and put our commissioning hats on and see if it's worth pitching yep. this one. Right. Yep. Uh, he says, "Jay, welcome to 
a show called Canned Heat, which I think is a really good name, actually. Uh, it goes steadily down here from, hill from there, though. The idea of the show is for two chefs to cook a meal that involves the use of canned food. The chefs know what cans they are looking for. However, all the canned foods have their labels removed. The chefs have to guess by shaking the cans what contains what ingredients. Just random. And they can't open them. They can't open, they them, can't open them. Once they've selected their cans, the recipe is then revealed. The chefs open their cans to see what's been selected. Could be canned peas. Could be applesauce. Could be pilchards. Or could be the correct ingredient. <laughs> it's like Russian roulette with cans. Um, they then have a certain length of time to cook a version of the recipe using their canned goods. Uh, and everyone gets judged on how well they use their cans... Uh, how close they are to the original dish and how good it takes. I'll take a percentage of the growth profits. Thank you. Regards, Marcus. <laughs> oh, well, good, Marcus. Thank you, Marcus, for that. Well, you certainly fulfilled you the know, brief of a thoughts. rubbish TV idea. <laughs> good time. Well, I mean, unless it's using up, you know, it's, it's good about, you know, food waste and food things, you know, it's it's a good way to, re, you know, recycle. The, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something positive <laughs> for Marcus before we go put it on the maybe pile. I have a fascination. You know. I, when we went filmed in the Ambrosia factory once, it sort of opened a whole new love of canned food for me. I think it's, an incredible thing. I never realised it was all cooked inside the can and pasteurised. And the, and then when we did space food, all the complexities over cooking foods that mm. can be cooked in cans. So there is a sort of level of artistry and, to and it. And some things are better out of a tin. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure we'll, maybe we'll talk about this, I guess, but I think certain foods are made to be eaten from a tin. Yeah. You know, obviously beans, one of them, but, you know, certain certain things are, are, are better that way. Tuna. I prefer sometimes tin tuna to you know a tuna steak you know i was a bit disappointed when you order a, a, a niçois salad and some restaurant has tried to you know upscale it and give you a bit of fillet tuna beautifully you know, you know brown you know, child on the outside and pink in the middle i'd rather have i mean it's meant to be made with tin tuna yeah the so stuff crumbled out the certain can. things are Mm. Maybe that's part of our why now. What Marcus has missed there is what we always have to have when we pitch, which is a why now. Why is this the show for right now? And it's like, well, there's a, and you need to come up with again another one of these. There's a huge change in perception now. Everybody's talking about canned food. And this is the show that's going to capture that trend, which is nonsense. But we often, what always helps us is a spurious stat or a round number. So it's either the 100th anniversary or recently, 76% of British people have said that they absolutely love canned food. So we're going to make our own canned food TV show. But I think it's going to be a tough pitch. And for me, I, I think for my, my smattering of food history knowledge, I think Napoleon plays a part in the development and invention of canned foods in the first place. So I like it. For me, You're there's in. a backstory there. And also, I see a supermarket sweep trolley dash at the beginning. <laughs> oh, that's quite good, go yeah. And get me against, yeah. And then you're in. And then they, can, they, you know, they run through a stack of tins onto the set. <laughs> Well, Mark, After Marcus, that, nobody, nobody will care what the show's about. They'll just be watching that. Pelting each other. Uh, well, Marcus is currently in the lead on our worst TV show ideas, but I'm sure there's, there's even worse to come. Uh, so for now, let's let's change gears. Someone I'm sure who's had some rubbish ideas pitched them over the years, but only ever oh, produces yeah. the good stuff. Our guest host for today, she is the editor of a hugely popular and influential Delicious magazine and has been for well over a decade, which is remarkable in the cut and thrust world of journalism. She is a true and pure blood foodie, having put together her first handwritten food magazine at the tender age of six and has since then been on a mission to get more people into the kitchen and discovering the wonders of cooking. We are delighted to welcome to the podcast the editor of Delicious Magazine, and the reason why tonight I'm going to be trying uh, Harissa Chickpea Stew with Christy, Crispy Halloumi. Uh, it's Karen Barnes. Hello, Karen. Hello. Lovely to see you. Oh, bugger. <laughs> I got it wrong. I got the name wrong. Oh, no. Yes, you did. I even underlined it. <laughs> Caron. Well, the A should be on the top. We've, well, no, we've but I can't do the funny... Karen. So, Karen. Karen. Go back. Karen. Karen. We've just been talking about this, how Karen has Norwegian naming... Uh, in it and there should be a, a, I was trying when you were telling me I was trying to put a circle over it. I was like I can't do that so I just under, underlined it and got it completely wrong um, so Caron uh, Barnes hello Caron I'm so sorry <laughs> don't you worry were so, you were nicely mouthing to me you were like no you mouthing she's it. off that's it she's quit the bike's down I'll just leave this in I won't cut it out I, won't, I just everyone knows I'm rubbish at these things anyway welcome it happens to me every day worry not <laughs> So just to follow on from our inane banter at the top of this podcast, do you get people writing in with just random things that they believe should be in your magazine every month? Yeah, I would say I get um, emails like this about 
10 times a week. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm very polite in my reply. Do any of them make it through? They do. Mm. People do make it through. Sometimes people picture really, we have a page in the magazine called Talking Points, which is designed to, as it sounds, get people talking and press their buttons, maybe make them angry, make them laugh, whatever. And uh, people do send in ideas for that, which um, often, if it sounds like they can string a sentence together well, then that might make the pages of the magazine. But sometimes people suggest really strange things like, you know, something that would never be in the magazine. And I think, have you ever read it? Just, it surprises (laughs) me. Someone might suggest an article on the anatomy of a chickpea as you mentioned that earlier chickpeas i just think you know who would actually want to read that article maybe you should just send them here Cara. <laughs> yeah. just send them to send them to me we'll use well, them we again. Like that. We're like, oh yeah the anatomy of a chickpea that's uh i'll tell you what recipes by I the way on the website a list i'll pass them on to you every single week <laughs> the best our themes I, for the show now we'll be fine and, and i have to i have to thank Karen a little bit because last time i saw you which was a number of years ago we were we had a wonderful trip to spain mm. with jose i'm sure you remember i remember we talked about things but you recommended a couple of books to me on the way back because I'm always looking for books to read, and they are up there. My wife's read them. It was it, it was for Pilgrim. I am Pilgrim by I can't remember who, and the one about the Dreyfus affair. Sorry, this is slightly oh. off topic, Jay, but I, which is a brilliant book. And so I've I've given them to my parents. I've given them to my friends. They are extraordinary books. So thank you. Those books have enriched my life and of my friends. So you know you are very good at putting lists of things together. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so pleased you enjoyed them. I was thinking, which books did I recommend, and not food ones. No, well, I think we'd probably had enough talking yeah. about food that week. <laughs> and, and I noticed you were you were snuggling up on the plane or the coach, whoever we were, you know, reading a book. And I, I immediately thought, oh, that's what I didn't bring. We probably didn't want to talk about food because we had eaten more in the space of two days than either of us have ever eaten in our lives before in that same stretch of time. How we managed it, I will never know. So, I mean, that leads me to an interesting thought because you're right. There is a fatigue, you know. I mean, what's interesting about you, about yourself and your position is obviously we talk to a lot of chefs and people think cooking is in the kitchen and cooking and cooking and cooking but it's a whole industry around food that is, is all sorts of different things and you know we go to a lot of events and that's obviously where we've come across each other and we sit and we eat delicious food and we talk about important issues about what whatever is in our mind or whatever but there is a lot of food you know and you do find at times you, you do get a bit fatigued with that I mean how after I mean you were telling us before you know it's over a decade since you've been editor of delicious magazine how do you keep your appetite you know with excuse the pun for interest in 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 food and, and food issues where does that come from do you think it's a good question and i would say that when i went to work at delicious um beforehand i've been working on much broader subject matter and i remember thinking how how do they fill the pages every month in that magazine? And then I got to Delicious and I realised we have, honestly, at least 20, 30 more ideas and pages than we can fit into the magazine every month. Uh, It never ceases to amaze me how many brilliant stories there are in food. And I think I find that the more you read widely not just on the food topic it sparks ideas in food as well and so our ideas are anything to do with you know things to do with the planet and then interesting things about people of which there are endless stories let's face it and then as well you've got the recipes and really key to delicious and i think one of the things that sets it apart is that i like to think that people could get a copy and read it for a good 40 minutes on a train journey and not and not be bored whereas if it was just recipes you might flick through think that looks nice i'll make that next wednesday don't like the look of that it's gone in five minutes whereas it there's more to it than that and uh, the best emails i've had have been from people who say you know i read it on the train when i'm on my way to work in the in the olden days obviously <laughs> pre-covid <laughs> um, but you know that's great because it should be about you know food is interesting and our job is to find the interesting stories, whether they're short or long, and tell people about them. And uh, and I, I always think, I see our features as being stories that you might stop and chat to somebody about if you were in an office making a cup of coffee together. You'd say, did you know this? Did you know about this person who's doing this amazing thing in cheese? Did you know about this new 
way of saving food waste and so those things are what become our stories and there i have a document with I think it's now 45 pages long of ideas that we haven't used yet. Oh, wow. wow. I okay, know. So there's not, there's no great. problem with the conveyor belt of ideas coming through. No. They're just const- so how does it work you on could... a monthly basis then? Where, how do you get, where, where, what's the process for getting something onto the magazine? How many people work on it? I'm fascinated with how it works. Well, we have a, a broad team. So we have people who, who specialise in digital and people who um, have a background in print journalism, but we're, tr- we're meshing the two as much as we can now. And uh, what what we do is we have a, a, a meeting where we think of a whole season, actually, and that's everyone involved. And we think about, you know, what are the significant days, what are the key sporting events, what's new on the calendar, what's, what's in season, are we going to be eating outside? You know, everything that could potentially be going on, all the new books that are coming out, any new films that might have some kind of relation to food. And we plan out our sort of strategy for the season across digital and um, the magazine. And then we drill that right down. So we'll have a meeting once a month to plan the um, the pages of the magazine. And that's where we get much more specific. And the team isn't very big. There are only five people working on the on the on the pages of the magazine. Um, we do have a, a food team of Never. two. What putting all that together is just five people. I know it does seem a little bit mad, but the um, the and we have we have a food team who who produce recipes and test forty recipes per month, and they do photo shoots and it's it's a a big operation. And when you stop and talk about it like this i i do sometimes wonder how we manage it <laughs> i'm just going to pause here because i know what you're thinking jay you are looking very stylish today on this audio recording and yes you are completely right i'm dressed head to toe in a bespoke outfit of clothing that has been picked out for me by my own personal stylist let me tell you how you can have this service for yourselves. We have a great sponsor on board called Stitch Fix. Now, Stitch Fix is an amazing service that gives you all the things you need when it comes to a personal stylist finding you amazing outfits of clothes, but without any of the hassle. And I know this because I've done it myself. Stitch Fix is a service for both men and women, and it makes shopping for clothes easy. All you have to do is go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash journey and you can set up a profile and then they'll deliver clothes chosen just for you in your taste, size and budget. When you go on there, it asks you some questions about what kind of style of clothes you like, uh, what you want to wear, what parts of your wardrobe you think you need work on. And then it gives you loads and loads of options that you can pick from and, and, and some ideas. And then Stitch Fix does all the hard work for you, making shopping for clothes easy and hassle free they send you the clothes and you get to try them on and if you want them you pay for them and keep them if you don't you just send them back and you can tell your personal stylist who is a real person not some kind of bot what you did like and what you didn't like and then they tailor the next order to you and it's up to you when you get it this is not subscription based you can choose to have one anytime you like and the great thing about it is the more you do it the more the clothing choices become honed to your taste and I did one of these orders myself because I was really curious about it and I ended up with two pairs of trousers and a shirt that I loved and things I probably wouldn't have picked for myself but were perfect when they were picked out for me the great news is we have an introductory offer that can give you the chance to try this out for yourselves to get started today, you need to go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash journey and you will get 20% off when you keep all the five items that are chosen for you. That's stitchfix.co.uk forward slash journey for 20% off when you keep all the items in your fix. stitchfix.co.uk slash journey. Go and enjoy it. It's really good fun. Right, let's get back to making some magazine magic. The challenge, I know. I mean, I know from my own dabbling with sort of forward planning and, and making television, you're trying to imagine how your readers will be feeling. Monthly, I mean, you're well. I mean, how many months in advance are you you're talking about? Three, six, well, or, or even a? It, yeah, there are certain things that we we um, plan it a year ahead. We're starting to do a bit more of that now because it makes sense, really, in our new in the new world where where with with um the digital world has changed everything so much and really what makes sense is to plan a whole year's worth of food content in some way and then you put your stories in and in and amongst that um so it's very 
yeah I, i'm not sure i'm not sure how to answer that really it's a tricky one because it, it's essentially it is a lot of there is a lot of planning and then there is a lot of detail we try to plan covers a whole year in advance now whereas we used to do wow. it one one a month um and in terms of thinking the way the way people um what people are doing you're always thinking a season ahead so it would be typical for us to be planning the christmas issue in july that's so um, cool that must so be so we, weird as well i know it's weird <laughs> so on a day and you can guarantee that our christmas planning day would always be the hottest day of the year <laughs> and um what we used to do pre-covid times was everybody would come back to my hat round to my house for the day and we would spend a whole day everyone would do prep and come up with ideas looking at all sorts of um media all across all um genres and everyone would bring ideas with a with a, a brief from me and then we would all discuss it and present our ideas then we would vote on the ones that we thought were the best and then we would split off and work up the ideas that we thought were best and see how would they work in print online on social media all of those things and it was just a fantastic day you know away from desks um and just punctuated by salad <laughs> trying to, <laughs> and trying to remind ourselves that we would be wanting to eat turkey at christmas lunch rather than mm. a salad because <laughs> it's <burning laughs> up. and it's it, you know so i suppose we're just used to being to trying to put your brain into another place because you have to do that all the time but in terms of when the magazine goes to press it's much nearer the time so we are just finishing our april easter issue so that you know that's not too far ahead i tend to write my editor's letter on the last day that it can possibly be written so it's as up to date otherwise you just have to change it especially in the last two years life's been changing so fast mm. you, i mean how has that affected that process that you've just been talking about i mean you clearly haven't been able to get together and, and at your house for for a while or maybe you've started again how how's uh, how has that workflow changed? Well, we were we did have an office and we don't anymore. And um, it was a shock as it was for everybody because suddenly we have to had to learn how to put everything together um, remotely. And technology is brilliant. So we managed to learn how to do that very quickly. But of course, there were certain things that we couldn't do. Uh, initially, you couldn't do any photo shoots because you couldn't be in the same room as anyone else. So we're quite fortunate because um, we have a our parent magazine is actually in Australia and we are able to use a certain number of recipes from them and they can from us. So we managed to keep things going for a few weeks until we and we had planned for we had forward planned quite a bit as usual. So we managed to keep things going and then we um, until we were able to start shooting again. But it was really challenging and you know then trying to do photo shoots like i'm sure it was with tv and um any creative work where you really do need to be in a room with other people trying to do that with masks on and at a distance was very difficult how i how do, i am as james knows i'm fascinated with the world of sort of food photography and how uh, just flicking through the magazine on the website as well the images are incredible and there's a real identity to them as well they, they all look luscious and incredible and they're almost like paintings and it, it goes beyond just wanting to eat it and there's a kind of artistry to it as well that makes them into uh, this pleasure to look at whereas it, like you said you, you're not looking at them going oh I could that's the technique you're looking at it almost as you would a piece of art going this is lovely I feel really great but how do you decide when it comes to the photography which approach to take and do let us behind the veil a little bit what are the tricks and techniques that you use on these photo shoots to make the stuff look as fantastic as it does how do you know how much of it you should have spooned away to make it look like it's just been eaten enough i mean i'm amazed at the whole world of it well it is really interesting and i think years ago before my time i gather that things used to be really primped and and they wouldn't really use the real food so sometimes for example a pie used to be stuffed with cotton wool so that you wouldn't get any you wouldn't get any dribbles down the side of the dish whereas now the trend is to have the dribbles down the side of the dish and ice cream apparently used to be mashed potato i don't know if that's true but really? <laughs> because it's, you know because <laughs> it's hard it's yeah. hard to 
photograph um, ice cream because of course it melts so quickly especially if you're shooting it on a hot day so um but that's not the case anymore and i would say that the primary function of um of photographs certainly for us is that it creates an emotional response in you so that was that's what i'm thinking it should be that you should not only look at it and think i want to eat and make that right now but that you're also it's making you think oh, yes i'm sort of happy you think i want to share it with people or i want to eat it all on my own on the sofa you know it's a, it's <laughs> a it's something that gets you a bit excited about food and cooking if you like that sort of thing um but i think in terms of the technique on the sheets i mean how many how many pictures would you say that we would how many pictures would you guess that we take in one day of shooting? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Okay, so you'd have to cook a dish and then you'd probably line, stack them up. So I think you'd want to get a lot, right? I mean, 20, 30 is what I'd guess. Not enough? You're, I mean, you're I, way off. Is it less <laughs> yeah. or more? Less. Is it? Fewer, rather. Yeah, so the usually it would be around about eight. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And if you're doing a cover, it would be maybe two. Goodness me, I had no idea that that that's that puts it even more stark because it's they're very it's a very hungry medium for images as well, right? I mean, it just yeah. plows through them in one magazine. So, so that's why it's quite challenging because it's very expensive to do it. So to do it well is expensive. You obviously can do more than that in a day if you don't have many props and it's all shot in the same way. Whereas if you want to create some kind of sense of atmosphere and lifestyle, it's a, it is art. You, you mentioned it being like a piece of art and it is that. That's exactly what it is. And there have been times when there was one cover we did a few years ago where we tried to recreate a Dutch master for our Christmas cover so we had a ham glistening we had a sort of flagon and we had a candle you know there was a, a plate of grapes on the side and it was really great but that that shot alone took about four hours to create um oh my and of goodness. course all the all the props you have to plan those very carefully so that you're you know that you've got exactly the right things that you need for the picture exactly as you would if you were shooting something for television that was a period piece so you do you find yourself and you've, and you've got to make the food going like oh um oh look crockery oh cutlery that would be nice I could use that for this shot and this for this shot are you always on when it comes to that kind of thing I not me personally because there are people who specialise in that but we would have very clear ideas for what we're trying to achieve in terms of you know is something going to be light and bright is it going to be moody um, and you want to have contrast within one issue of the magazine so you don't want everything to be on a gray background you want to have some light and shade and um something like the jubilee coming up for example you want that to have a sort of party sort of celebratory feel so there's a it's an artistic project and you would always have an art director on the shoot or you would hope to so that they help to direct things so you have somebody cooking the food you have a photographer there, you have a photographer's assistant, you have, hopefully you would have an art director there who helps to set the whole thing up and make sure that the creative vision is there. So there are a lot of people involved in making it happen. You might have somebody, if you're lucky, assisting you chopping vegetables and things and doing prep, but often not, you know, so it's a lot for one person. Can you imagine if you're doing a sheet where you're doing turkey or you're doing four roasts in a day and you've got to get those timed in the oven you might only have one oven and you've got to get everything sorted and you know the logistics are very tricky and if you're doing something like jelly well you can't do that on the day because it's got to have time to set so you've got to do that the day before so there's an awful lot of um of planning that goes into these things and it's but it's, uh, and of course, the light as well. We just um, shot one of our, our recent cover for February had marmalade on it. And the marmalade is being poured from a ladle into a, into a jar. Now, just getting the light right so that it's shining through the marmalade, glowing as if it's, a, you know, a sun that brings some sunshine into everyone's life in February. That was the aim of it. Uh, that's mm -hmm. really hard. <laughs> it's not, yeah. you know, 
And what happens if you do it and all the peel sinks to the bottom of the jar? No good. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, it's the practical stuff we're in the studio, isn't it? Where you yeah. just don't think about, oh, bugger, someone's got to get that back out of the jar now. And did we bring a exactly. spare jar? And we haven't got, oh, no, it's all over the floor. And Yeah. And also, can you yeah. think at home sometimes if you do cook a turkey or something, you get it out the oven and its leg might be sticking out at a weird angle. Well, you can't do that. So you have to do something to, you have to have a backup plan if something go, in case something goes wrong. So there are an awful lot of things to think about. But I would say our main um, aim is for food really to look as if you've made it at home. So it's not done with tweezers and it looks like it's just been tumbled from a pan and glossy and you know as for how much you pick up on a spoon that's really just down to what it feels like on the day and what looks good in front of the camera <laughs> jay would be thinking about that all day yeah yeah <laughs> so so to, to, you, you, so to follow on from there then so what what in your mind is, is the secret or the essence of a good cover for you know, a photograph i would say that it's changed for us slightly um what I'm aiming for now is for a cover that you want to have on your coffee table. So something that you, it's like the, the food equivalent of Vogue. That's really mm. interesting you say that because that's what it feels like just purely as an ignorant layman in terms of food magazines. It's while, they're ingre- while there's recipes in them now, it is more of a joyous experiential thing where you're putting yourself into that world going oh i'd like to live there that looks nice that looks fabulous and you're sort of taking a little bit it's a bit of escapism actually it's not a oh i must write this down and i've got to go and get some flour to do this and it's really interesting you describe it like that because mm. that vogue magazine is 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 it remarkable isn't it and that's a that's a that's a voyage of escapism as well and if if, if food magazines are going your magazine's going that way it's really interesting shift in your customer that i'm mm. guessing or the people who read it well I would say that we've always been like that inside the magazine, but maybe the covers didn't necessarily reflect it so much. The covers used to be quite busy and have a lot of lines on them and uh, words, I mean by that. And, um, and that's because things have changed in terms of the way magazines are sold radically over the last two years. So it used to be that you'd walk into a shop and you would have this whole array of magazines in front of you and you might see the front of the magazine or you might see the sort of edge of the magazine and the the words that were written on that were absolutely crucial to the sales whereas now uh, a lot of stores have taken their magazines out altogether supermarkets Um, some have very restricted amounts so you get them all piled you know really nestled in together so the idea it's really you want you're trying to create something that is so visually arresting that somebody needs to pick it off the shelf and look at it more closely that's the aim um you don't want something that looks like everyone as if all food magazines are the same and i think probably that's what was happening over the last three four five years that if you looked at the key food magazines on the on the on the newsstand they were quite similar really and actually delicious is different when you get inside so we needed our covers to reflect better what was inside and i think it is doing that now and and, and have, have readers responded to that have you have they picked up on this change themselves and and just you know, sort of talking about the kind of reader but do they have they noticed that that that, that change that you've made they have Somebody told me years ago that it takes six months for it really to trickle through into terms in terms of people really noticing. Obviously, social media is really good because you can put your covers on social media. So that helps to get a bit of buzz going. Um, but yes, people are responding to it really well so far. And I think we've got to hold our nerve because... You know, some you know there might be one that maybe doesn't work quite as well as another, and you tend to overanalyze it. And I, it, in a way, it's similar to when when I used to work in women's magazines years ago. There, you would have a lot of analysis about covers, and you might have somebody wearing a necklace. And if you ask twenty people what don't you like about that cover, they they would say, "Well, oh, I don't like the necklace. I don't like whatever star was on the cover." The truth is that when you go into a shop and think what am I going to buy the decision is 10 seconds it's it's a visual thing and do I like the look of that 
if you do you pick it off and you look you might look at it and then think look at it a bit more in depth but people aren't analyzing it it too much they're just thinking does this look appealing to me do i want to eat it and cook it now that's what it comes down mm. to i think and i think people i mean my, i mean my layman's view is that people respond when they feel there's a human being in the design process. So if they can feel your intention, you know, in a way, they see a design, they might not always register what that image is, but they feel it coming up, whereas you're right, the rest of them are a wall of similar looking layouts and you just think, I'm not sure, I might, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But when something grabs you and you see someone's made a decision about what's going to be on that cover, that's often, for me anyway, that's what I'm drawn mm-hmm. to. I see, I just want to look at it closer because someone's decided something here as opposed to all the others where it's it'll, it'll be, you know, the usual layout. And I think that's, you know, that's not to be underestimated. And, and I think you're right, people will notice and people will respond you know, if you know, you stick to your guns. You know, Karen, I can see. I've always admired your, your. You know, you've always had a very clear view about the food world. I thought, from from my outside perspective, and I think it reflects in the magazine. And you know, and it's obviously why it's so successful. And you've been there so long. You know, but I think because- I think it's probably um, for us as well. It's a question of how far do you go down the the sort of arty route because you could do something that was just ingredients arranged in a very sort of completely artistic way but what we try to do is it it is also what I would call a cook's moment so there is something that's making you think about cooking it's not just you know beautiful cabbages which could look amazing on a cover but that doesn't feel quite right for us Um, and one thing I think is quite um, maybe slightly challenging is that inside the magazine I feel really strongly that that the tone of the magazine has to be very warm and empowering so that when you read it you feel as if you're part of it and that you can learn things and that's not to say that it's um I don't quite know how to describe it I suppose it's just it's not an elitist club and I think in that respect it differs from maybe some glossy magazines in other genres because it's very much um, not about, you know, we're the cool kids and you're not part of it. It's yeah. you are part of this world. We want everyone to cook. We want everyone to make these recipes. And, you know, the truth is that food is right there at the centre of society, isn't it? And we all love to sit around and eat at a table with other people. And that unites people from all different backgrounds. And, um, you know, I, you just look at the moment at the amazing Cook for Ukraine campaign that's going on and you think, that is something very practical that people right across the food world are engaging with because it gives them something that they feel they can do to help somebody else. And, you know, who would have thought that food could be so powerful, but it really is. Yeah, yeah. And it's you're right to, you know, to, we're reminded at times like this how powerful it is and how important it is and how often we don't think about that. And it takes these terrible, you know, you know tragedies and, and incidents to remind us that food has a has a bigger purpose I think you're absolutely right and you know for me it's it's really empowering to see so many people just getting you know, there is a certain snobbery around the food well we know that there is a little club that circulates around what's cool and what's not cool but actually we all eat and we all enjoy it and we all get together and cook and sometimes it's you know we just have to throw all that cool stuff out the window and it's just about sharing ideas isn't it come to, to the right place together. for that that's is- <laughs> <laughs> I don't think everyone goes, oh, I love this well, podcast, call- it's so cool. I mean- <laughs> well, but, I mean, because, you know, just talking about my own personal journey, I mean, you spend a lot of time trying to think what's going to be cool. I'm sure, you you know, you're trying to pick to predict trends all the time, Karen. I know, you know, you're probably looking to try and see where are, where are the, you know, the people heading. And actually, you know, at the end of the day, you know, your instincts are the best ones to trust because, you know, you're interested and curious. I'm, I'm not cool. I wouldn't, I'm, you know, I wouldn't say I have a cool you know radar for where the food world is going but you kind of get a sense when someone it's i think people respond to honesty which was my point about the the recovery in a way people in food you can tell when something's being manipulated or it's been put in front of you to impress and whatever and for the people that really get it i just don't think you know that's not what they want they want to feel another human spirit involved you know through the connection of food i think that's a good way of putting it and we we don't always get it right and let me tell you that when we don't get it right <laughs> i get an awful lot of emails <laughs> I'm sure I tell you. very angry about certain things and you know i think one of the hardest things is humor because i do love to have a bit of humor in the magazine but it, honestly that 
<laughs> the number of times that that is the cause of people writing saying, how can you think that that's funny? Or, you know, something that I would think is quite ironic and therefore very amusing. People I love the letter writers. <laughs> when we, oh. don't, well, for God's sake, never make a magazine or a TV show about trains. I've done a couple of those. <laughs> My word, they are some militant letter writers. You get a cog wrong, a livery colour wrong. It's probably it, it's incredible. It's amusing, but they are not amused, are they? When they start writing mm-hmm. in, yeah. like, go on, Bennett. Yeah, I, I I feel your pain on that front. Actually, yeah, the odd, the odd. <laughs> but it's good to listen to those. I think you, yeah, I, you know, I often would immerse myself in the criticism because. <laughs> there it's sometimes you know it's very humbling and you, know, yeah. you remind you sometimes that you know it's it's not your platform it's their platform and you have to let them voice their dislike for things you know and yes you you know you put down what you you believe is a, is, a, is a strong point of view or an editorial direction or whatever but you know it's their medium they're going to buy it they're going to part with cash and cook with this it's when I the letter think, starts you know, with i think you'll find that they like, oh, great, it's not going to be very constructive. <laughs> I think you've hit, you've um, hit on a, an important point there, though, James, because it's like it's a community. It, the food world is a community, and delicious is a community. And we we learn, we have to learn all the time from the people who are telling us what they want to know and what they want to read about, what they want to cook, and what they what 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 they enjoy about food. And it, it would be crazy if you didn't listen and um you know but sometimes you know it goes a bit too far there was one man i had to i thought i might i was on the verge of being <laughs> maybe attacked on a street corner because it was getting quite serious because i do i do like to engage with people i like to um i like to be as polite as possible even if somebody's being really really rude i like to i see it as my challenge to get them back on side so if someone says i'm disgusted i'm cancelling my subscription i think right i'm gonna see if i can entice you back into oh the wow pole. that's great <laughs> and nine good for you though nine times out of ten it works but i don't always succeed <laughs> <laughs> how much I'm, I'm curious to know within the world of when you're editor when you're deciding the editorial for a magazine you obviously also have the power to lead trends, right? If you wanted to, you know, double down on Brussels sprouts all year long, you could influence how Brussels sprouts, you know, purchases across Britain or the world. In terms of that balance between following trends, recognised trends, and sometimes leading them, how do you know where to strike a balance with your influence or how you are influenced on this kind of thing? Do you know what? We've just been having that very conversation because... Digital is really interesting because people talk about um, optimizing your content online so that when people Google, say, chicken, roast chicken, they, they would always want the aim is for a delicious recipe to come high up on your search. You know, that's what your aim is. And my view is, although that's really, really important, if you're always following what people are googling that means you're following not leading so we have to make a decision what percentage of our content that we produce is driven by that so that we're making sure we give people what they're looking for when they're searching and what percentage which would be a smaller percentage is us leading the way deciding what the trend is we haven't quite worked it out yet (laughs) i'll let you know when we have but you know There's a lot on social media where you suddenly see people cooking something like there was a, a trend for pesto eggs, putting feta in a roasting tin with loads of roast, roasted peppers and then putting pasta and mix it all around. And it's great. And so, you know, you, we ended up doing a recipe very similar because you, you've got to have that what people are looking for. But we need to be creating that new recipe that everyone's thinking a really simple thing that works on on TikTok and in a really short reel on Instagram, but is also really delicious because I can't. You don't want it to be gimmicky. It's got to taste good. It's mm. such a hard. It's, it's, it's so many different battlefronts now, isn't it? I appreciate it all comes from the same place, but they're all. There's so many different ways that you have to, like you said, you have to be thinking online, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, the magazine as well, and these different mediums, while related, don't don't speak in the same ways to people or are ingested in the same ways at all. It's it's. Do you feel like you're constantly spinning different plates on different sides all the time, trying to please one? Can you please all yeah, of those different about, places? 
I think you can, but you just you have to be nimble and realize what's changing because it's changing constantly. And if you think about Instagram as just one example, only five years ago, almost everything on it was was straight photographs with in fact when it started people didn't really write anything whereas now people share their life history <laughs> and you know it becomes it's become a very social platform but also it's primarily a video platform now it's not about flat pictures so it's you if you don't change with the times you you don't you, you don't get anywhere so you're constantly analyzing what's different what do we need to change and i think it used to be that video had to be very polished. Everything had to be perfect, shot by a professional team. Whereas now you can just put your iPhone on a stand and do a, a, a little video while you're making something. And people love it even more if it goes wrong. That's what I've realized. You know, <laughs> well, if, you, if you put a cake in the oven and it starts overflowing in the tin in the oven, people love it more than if it's really beautiful cake that comes out. Well, of course. Well, that, that, that's, for, that's for lesson you learn making food telly, Jay, enough, enough years. You, you spend all these hours planning and trying to get it right, but actually the viewers are all wishing you to get <laughs> yeah. it wrong every, every, every time. They would much rather you dropped it all on the floor. <laughs> it is, isn't it? After months it of planning. Yeah, it is. It's great if something goes wrong. Not really, but it would be. It would be amazing. Um, I'm curious, we're, we're, we're almost running out of time here, but I, one thing I would love to know is when someone has been in a profession as you have, that is an aspirational profession for lots of people out there, but I appreciate, you know, much like working in most industries, there's there's a good and there's a bad, but especially your world feels like one of those places where people go, I'd love to do that. What is the, what's it like? What is the joy of being in that career, the goods and the bads of it? Where, you know, this is your sort of join the Navy kind of thing. What, what, what would you say about being an editor of a food magazine and that journey you've been on? I'd say the joy of it. The thing I enjoy most is putting together um, an issue of the magazine, actually crafting it and making it so that you've got something for every sort of person that you you imagining what everybody's looking for and giving a bit of all of those things and making it work in a perfect balance I just find that the most satisfying thing it's the thing I love more than anything else kind of honing it down and curating a, a magazine that I think is going to be great and then when you see it in print I have to say I'm usually terrified to open the cover for about three days because <laughs> You can't do anything about For it then. <laughs> Spelling mistake, first page. Yeah. Oh, no! <laughs> exactly. The editor's a lesser. I forgot to change it. Um, but yes, there's, so there's that. What's the downside? I would say um, there's a, an awful lot of sitting at a desk. I think people imagine that you're out and about all the time schmoozing and having lunches and drinking wine. Far from it. Uh, to be honest, it's quite hard to fit that in these days because there is so much work to do. So there's an awful lot of time sitting at desk staring at a screen. So And far too many meetings because, you know, any company loves meetings. And so those are, I suppose those are the least exciting things. But I love being able to taste and see new products when they come out and um you know that's quite a that feels like a real privilege actually when people send you things ahead of time and you can just that's when you start to see new new trends coming through and it's it's uh, a wonderful thing to to be involved with from that point of view you get sent a lot of good stuff right i'm guessing you're not shy of a, you know a new box you know box of cheese or things they send it to you to try out well, yes, because we don't write about anything that we haven't tried, but it sounds That's like... brilliant. Why don't we have that, James? Why don't we have that? <laughs> I know. We need that line. Why don't, you need <laughs> a, why don't you do a cheese of the month, a cheese of the week, whenever you're doing your oh, recording? Code. There you go. This oh, is the thinking. Uh, have you got any other ideas? Specifically how we get free stuff. How about gin? Gin, yeah, brilliant. Gin of the week. Gin, gin of the week. week. We'll have gin, gin of the week, <laughs> cheese of the month. But seriously, though, it isn't about the free stuff because... The, the, and I always say say that to people quite seriously. I know it sounds like I'm I'm um, being too serious here, but I do mean it because you've got to have integrity about what you do. So people trust that we try things, and if we don't like it, we'll say so. And I, I mean, I'm that sad person who, if I'm writing about a teapot, I insist on pouring tea from that teapot to make sure it doesn't go all over your work surface. Sad but true. No, it's and, fabulous. Uh, <laughs> and so. 
and and you know we would send all of that stuff back or we would give it to charity or whatever so there's always something that you can do with it in fact you know I was able to just this week put together a whole hamper of things for a fundraising event for the Ukraine and a whole load of books so you know there are things that you can do with things nothing goes to waste brilliant Caron uh we are basically out of time on this one but it has been fascinating I've, I've wanted to speak to you for ages and this has been really wonderful because there's had so many questions about your world and those things and it just feels it's another one of those places where the world of magazines and publishing is, is a is a related world to the world that i myself and james come from but it, it is it's a completely separate entity with different ways of doing things but that ability for you to be able to communicate with with your your readers in that very personal way is really interesting that understanding of who you're speaking to and how you're speaking to them is really really important uh and also that you sounds like you suffer from the same thing do we 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 do which is just the maddening thing of sort of viewing and listening figures which just change and fluctuate for no reason that you could possibly figure and james is very good he just says to me jay sometimes it just happened there's no reason it just Mm. happens and also that kind of anonymity of it all. You never get to see them or meet them properly unless yeah. they come and write a letter of complaint or you do a live event yeah. or whatever. You just never know. Don't you throw this work into the ether and then just hope it lands <laughs> how you want it to be. You never sometimes never hear, you know. And you, and so you look at the figures and you might analyse all this stuff to try and see if it's cut through and you just, you just never know sometimes. It's, it's so hard. It could just be a sunny I mean, day, couldn't it? And people are just not buying that day. A sunny day, certainly, with our, with our website absolutely you know if it's boiling hot outside no one's on their computer googling recipes are they yeah no yeah absolutely that's the one thing in television you know you can't ever compete with either it's, it's the sun you know yeah. you pray for i mean terribly sad you pray for <laughs> rain you don't want to tx in july it's bloody awful no <laughs> the show's a failure you're just like oh i'm not pushing for the christmas release uh thank you caron it's hugely uh, appreciated you coming on the show and thank wonderful you, insights. Yeah. Thank you ever so much. We really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed it. It's been th- yeah. J- just to echo that, it's been it's it's, it's just marvellous to hear. You know, you when you say integrity, I'm going to finish with this, Jay. I mean, Karen embodies integrity of a, of a magazine editor for me, and what you've said today just shows why it's such a successful magazine. Why you know you know your voice comes through on those pages because it's strong and it's you know it's consistent and it's passionate and it's real. It's human. So thank you for sharing some of those thoughts with us because hopefully it will resonate with some of the audience out there who might be thinking of writing a letter about responses <laughs> <laughs> i didn't like the cheesecake or whatever it is they actually complained about you know you know yeah and go on done. go read delicious magazine go on the website go on the instagram and, and complain because you now know who you're complaining to she will try and persuade you to stay it's <laughs> absolutely thanks guys <laughs> wonderful oh but you're no, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, it's lovely to Brilliant. see you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And James, I will speak to you next week. Very good. Yes, you will. Bye.